ശ്രവണം മനനം നിധ്യാസനം ലിസൺ റിഫ്ലക്ട് ആൻഡ് അബ്സോർബ് ഡിയർ ലിസ്നേഴ്സ് സൈറാം ആൻഡ് വെൽക്കം ടു അവർ റേഡിയോ സീരീസ് ഇൻ വിച്ച് എ ഡിവൈൻ ഡിസ്കോഴ്സ് ബൈ ഭഗവാൻ ഇസ് പ്ലേഡ് ഇൻ സ്മോൾ പാർട്സ് ആൻഡ് ഫോളോയിങ് ഈച്ച് പാർട്ട് എ ഷോർട്ട് ഡിസ്കഷൻ ഇസ് അണ്ടർടേക്കൻ ടു റിഫ്ലക്ട് ഓൺ ദ മെസ്സേജ് This is a part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Sai Prakash and Prem every Thursday at 7.30pm only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. In today's episode, which was first broadcast live on 21st November 2013, Professor Jeevankatraman, former Vice-Chancellor of the Sri Satisai Institute of Higher Learning and the senior most member of Team Radio Sai, participated as a guest. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian culture and spirituality in the year 1990. Offering our most humble pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet, dear listeners, this is Prem from Team Radio Sai being joined by Sai Prakash as always to host this segment of Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhyasanam. And as we promised you last week, we are here with a comprehensive summary or so we hope of the first eight discourses. We would like to take them in parts and uh, and as we made another promise last week, we also have the pleasure of the company of Professor Venkatraman. We are very grateful to him for having joined us on this program. So without wasting more time, I invite Sai Prakash and Professor Venkatraman to join me in presenting this program. Sairam Saiprakash and Sairam and welcome to you sir. Sairam Prem, thank you for the introduction. I think uh, this is going to be a difficult task trying to summarize the first four discourses. We have the easier task of just posing the questions. But uh, the way we have structured it is we thought we would uh, bring out one or two points what Swami has mentioned and based on that we would uh, raise one or two questions and then we will go along. So, um, as as we have been uh, doing in this series, this is a series of discourses given in 1990, summer course. And uh, Swami is dealing with a very subtle and very and most important topic of who you really are. And Swami has taken it over a series of 16 discourses. And uh, the first discourse very beautifully brings out the importance of truth and righteousness. Swami says that it's very important to know truth. the truth and follow dharma and um, then he goes on in the subsequent uh, two discourses he elaborates about the human body and he says how one should understand why the body is gifted to you what is the use of the human body it's very strange because when you think of the body being gifted to you it automatically connotes that you are not the body <laughs> but let us go through the discourse and know how swami actually brings out those points then in subsequent discourses swami has dealt with the senses the mind the intellect and possibly the atman later but uh, right now since we have come halfway through the series we thought it would be nice to take a break and then summarize and discuss some of the potent points that swami has brought out in these discourses So Prem I think we'll start with summarizing the first discourse and uh, we can uh, discuss the points as we go along. We are starting with the first discourse where Swami is talking about satya and dharma. You know there is one very famous very beautiful padyam which Swami would start with in some of his other discourses. He says naham manushyo na cha deva yaksha na brahmana kshatriya vaishya shudra 
अहम सत्य बोधका सत्यम शिवम सुंदरम एंड स्वामी हेज ऑलवेज लेट स्ट्रेस एंड इम्पॉर्टेंस गिवन इम्पॉर्टेंस टू ट्रूथ हिज नेम बींग सत्य साई ही सेड आई एम द वन हु रेस्ट ऑन ट्रूथ सो स्वामी स्टार्ट दिस डिस्कोर्स विथ अ पद्यम एज ऑलवेज इन विच ही सेज द एंटायर कॉस्मॉस हेज इमर्ज्ड एंड शेल गो बैक इन टू ट्रूथ एंड ही देन गोज ऑन टू से दैट ट्रूथ अकॉर्डिंग टू वेदांता इज ऑल्सो रेफर टू एज ब्रह्मन इस एज ब्रह्मन एंड ट्रूथ गॉड इज ट्रूथ एंड ट्रूथ इज गॉड सो विथ दैट एंड देन ही सेज सत्यम शिवम सुंदरम नाउ ही सेज द भारतीयस फ्रॉम अ लॉन्ग टाइम हैव गिवन एटमोस्ट इम्पोर्टेंट फॉर्म दे हैव कंसिडर ट्रूथ टू बी वेरी वाइटल एंड ही सेज भारतीय कल्चर has always given importance to understanding truth and that's why we have satyam vada and dharmam chala so starting with this concept of truth and dharma sir we would just like to pose a question and we were just wondering when we are talking about this truth what exactly is the truth that swami is referring to here what is the kind of truth that we should be tuned to is it uh, the factual truth or are, is there something more than that Sir, it's a good question. You said, "What is the kind of truth?" Actually, there are not many kinds of truth. There is only truth, and nothing other than truth. Correct. And yet, truth, if we have to refer to it and discuss it, must have a context. Correct. A frame of reference. For most of us, the frame of reference is the world. in which we live yes but even in this world in which we live there are many strange things that happen hmm. a famous scientist erwin schrodinger raises this mm-hmm. and that is where i read it and uh, it, i'm sure it's there in vedanta but he has put it in his book and when i read it i really found it very interesting and compelling mm-hmm. and this is what he says you are sleeping you are having a dream mm-hmm. <coughs> in the dream you are there mm-hmm. you are one of the players in the dream correct and there are other fellows also in the dream and uh, some of them are uh, praising you some of them are abusing you and all that and you are trying to deal with those fellows good guys and bad guys he says do you realize all those guys are really you <laughs> but yet in the dream you feel you are separate from them mm-hmm. so we have a very strange situation mm-hmm. what i'm trying to say is the context relating to the dream state is different from the context relating to the waking state mm-hmm. so straight away i have two states and i have to struggle Correct. with what is truth in my dream and what swami is saying Correct. is there is one more context which is fundamentally important but which is always forgotten at least in today's world or more or less for 99.999% of the time forgotten what is that for the seen the unseen is the basis that is an abstract way of saying and sometimes you would just use two mm-hmm. words aadharam and adhim adhim is what is seen aadharam is what is the basis the basis may not be seen the basis that he is referring to 
and the basis which is not seen but which is most important is the divine so he says if you are talking of truth unless it is related to the divine you are talking of something else or something which is a very tiny subset of it now the moment i connect the truth to divine what does it mean it means it is eternal and unchanging and okay it is eternal and changing it's divine but what has that got to do with me well mm-hmm. in everything that i do the flavor of that which is eternal and unchanging must be reflected now gandhi described god truth as follows god and truth god is truth and truth must be manifested as ahimsa because ahimsa is also one of the attributes of brahman mm-hmm. which is another synonym for truth so there are attributes associated with truth one of which is dharma or righteous action another of which is prema or selfless love another of which is ahimsa non violence another of which is shama or forbearance daya karuna and so on and so forth therefore when swami is talking of truth and he says be truthful it means your thought word and deed must reflect the divine in terms of flavor fragrance and manifestation very beautiful <laughs> that's what it means if you are thinking of something <laughs> let it be good if you are saying something let it be good if you are doing something let it be good if all this happens then you are true to yourself you are being truthful you are manifesting truth that's what it means but we are not talking about that most of the time so the context becomes the unseen the eternal that's what it is mm-hmm. and normally we don't bring all that in relation to a world in which we live correct which is changing and all that for me truth is what is said in latest facebook or twitter <laughs> or whatever it is that's nonsense but um, in its relation to action in daily life in a way that is what uh, is defined uh, as dharma the truth in action when you absolutely. have absolutely um, there's no question about it right? it's often described dharma is satya in action it's like you know the telescope dharma is inside if you pull it out it is visible otherwise it's just <laughs> 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 inside <laughs> that's true so um dharma is basically doing action keeping that um subtle truth in the back of your uh, absolutely so that is that is the kind of truth and dharma that bharatiyas were uh, uh, giving importance even to. that is not very clear because if my action is to be truly called dharma mm-hmm. it must be selfless it must be non violent in every sense of the term it must be full of love it must have exhibit forbearance swartam suprayojanam should not be there <laughs> all these things are there that is mm-hmm. implied Correct. That's why it's very as Palkevala said dharma is a word which has no equivalent in foreign languages you cannot translate it unless you know what is daya karuna prema etc uh, you can't talk about dharma once you know that if you say your action must be dharmic that other guy will understand so it needs a resonance Correct. 
in fact uh, what you just said is exactly what swami also says in the next line he says dharma is not observance of any tradition or ritual it is a unity of thought word and deed which results in purification of the faculties so he says uh, the manifestation of truth in action is uh, dharma and of course uh, the beautiful way swami connects this with indian culture uh, swami says that true bharatiya is one who is wedded to truth and righteousness and that is why indian culture is important bharatiya culture is important not indian culture as we understand or we might pass it on today actually somebody was telling me brother in law was talking to me on the phone the other day uh, somebody went to see the late kanchi paramacharya and he said don't call yourself hindu there is no such thing as hindu say you are a follower of sanatana dharma it is an endless righteousness i follow that that's all that is indian culture so uh, having given the importance in fact swami goes on to say that there are people with lot of power and uh, you may have military power intellectual power physical power monetary power political power but you have to bow there are other truth. things called soft power <laughs> <laughs> so but he said truth and righteousness is inevitable and they will always triumph Only problem is sometimes they are very slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It maybe takes a few lifetimes. That <laughs> the next statement that Swami is making is very interesting. He says the chief requisite of man's life is to be human. <laughs> so um, we have heard Swami uh, bringing out this point in many of his discourses, where he says the proper study of mankind is man. Uh, we would like to understand this uh, concept a little bit more sir they are slightly different uh, uh, because in one case man and mankind come mm-hmm. mankind is a reference to society oh okay so mm-hmm. if you want to understand society how it should be you must study the human body that's what oh. is the implication oh okay i'll i'll explain that but what uh, when he says you must be human mm mm-hmm. it is something so obvious and yet not very obvious to people these days what he is saying is you should not behave like an animal and that is why pope benedict said now former pope mm-hmm. to be called human you must first show humanness mm. don't show tigerness <laughs> don't show frogness <laughs> don't show crowness donkiness mm-hmm. monkeyness and so on that is the way no who is a true human who is an ideal human that question is very interesting because valmiki asked narada the same question is there a person correct <laughs> with the following qualifications okay. a b c mm-hmm. all those refer to true human <laughs> narada smiles and says yes there is such a person he is sri ramachandra the mm-hmm. king of ayodhya emperor of ayodhya so we think having a form of a human being is enough in english there are these uh, famous uh, statements he is a wolf in sheep's clothing what okay. does that mean <laughs> that guy is really a wolf but he is pretending to be a sheep and very this thing mm-hmm. uh, nice and gentle so today we are having the human form but we are hardly behaving like a human being should mm-hmm. in the ideal sense of the word 
so the that uh, mistake mm-hmm. and uh, error is what swami is pointing out there you have the form but you don't have the behavior that is appropriate to the form he has also said this in many other ways for example in a drama if you have the king's part you should not behave like a joker mm. and i don't know whether you remember there is a story of a great actor he wears the role of a sanyasi mm-hmm. and he acts very well mm-hmm. and that day king gives him sanmanam he says mm-hmm. no i am a sanyasi so <laughs> i can't take it okay. because he is wearing the dress he has not taken off the dress next day he comes as a dancer mm-hmm. and then the king says very nice mm-hmm. and this guy is waiting this mm-hmm. is uh, what uh, he says you have not given me any sanmanam <laughs> no yesterday i gave <laughs> you didn't want it that is different the yesterday i was sanyasi sanyasi is not supposed to accept rewards today i'm a dancer i expect a reward <laughs> you have to give it i don't know whether you know the story yes told it a few times in the old days so you have to act the part you have been given by god hmm. if you have been given the part of a human act like a human not like a monkey or a donkey that's what he is trying to say <laughs> in fact swami is making that point here when he says that there is no use to the world from people who are merely human in form hmm. no yes he says they are dangerous mr <laughs> <laughs> swami goes on you are right absolutely he says whatever your scholarship or position or authority you cannot ignore the human values that's what swami says i mean he says that you, if you do so you do so at your risk in fact it has come to a stage where it is a risk to the whole of society now this is where the other question proper study of mankind is man becomes relevant one day i asked him i don't understand this so we were alone hmm. we had gone to the college i was the vice chancellor he talked about this came back and said forgive me swami i don't understand mm-hmm. then he said supposing a fellow is walking in the forest a thorn goes into his foot he is walking barefoot tribes do that what will he do then that fellow will sit in a rock uh, hold the foot with one hand and pull out the thorn with the other hand mm-hmm. he said that's right but uh, why should the hand come and pull out the thorn it is the leg is paining what does the hand got to do with it and uh, i said mummy it's part of the body and the uh, body <laughs> feels the pain mm. no 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 hand has got this problem what has it got to do mm. you have a stomach ache and the doctor gives a injection in the hand the hand can say go and give it to the stomach why are you giving it to me <laughs> then he started saying things like this you mm. have fever and then the, you are asked to drink a bitter medicine well, the tongue can say yuck and they spit it out <laughs> doesn't do that why then he said the body has got an operating system mm-hmm. to use modern language the cell is the basic unit and body is just a collection of cells there are of course different kinds of cells brain cells are different from heart cells which are different from blood cells and so on but cell is a cell you put a lot of bricks you get a body mm-hmm. and from cells come the organs from organs come different systems you have digestive system respiratory system lymphatic system and so on mm-hmm. and they are all overlaying each other the cell works for the organ organ works for the system system works for the body all systems work in harmony now if you look at society the individual is the equivalent of the cell there are many types of individual just as there are many types of cells and ultimately it is individuals who make society 
In just as organs, you have functional units in society of bank, post office, school, police station, court, railway station, airport and so on. Everywhere there are people working, just as there are cells in the lung and the heart, there are people working in a bank, in a school, post office, railway station, so on. Here all the cells work for the organ, there all the fellows must work for the institution. Hmm. If they work properly, the institution will be proper. I mean, you will get good service in the post office bank or whatever it is. Hmm. And if all banks do that, the entire banking system will be good, the entire postal system will be good, the entire railway system will be good. It used to be said that uh, uh, when Mussolini was dictator in Italy, all trains were on time. (laughs) 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 Not even one minute late. Mm -hmm. Anyway... If you have a society in which everything is perfect, you have Ramarajya. But what is the key to this? The key is that everybody works with without Swartam and Suprayojanam for that entity that is above. Cell works like that without Swartam and Suprayojanam for the organ. Organ works the same way for system. System works for the body. In the case of the body, the body will take care of all these organs mm-hmm. and cells. How? The person will eat the right food. He'll make sure there is iron so that hemoglobin is okay. Hmm. He'll make sure there is calcium so that bones are okay. He will make sure that there is this vitamin, that uh, stuff, this stuff and so on. This is a balanced diet. Then second thing is he will not overeat. Third thing is he will eat only at the right times, not all the time, munching and uh, potato chips or <laughs> drinking Coca-Cola and so on. Fourth thing, he will exercise. Fifth thing, he will give take proper rest. Sixth thing, he will maintain regularity. Seventh thing, he will not allow stress. Mm-hmm. So stress can damage the system. So leading a disciplined life, the fellow makes sure that the body gets what it wants. In other words, if you work for a master, the master takes care of you. Mm-hmm. Same way in a society. If you work for society, society must take care of you. How? It must provide you all the securities you want. Mm-hmm. It must provide you food security, housing security, job security, health security, education security, and so on. That is Ramarajya. So, the essential requirement is the humans must work without Swartam and Suprayojanam. Mm-hmm. If all the people work in the spirit of Karma Yoga, that society will run very smoothly, by and large. That mm-hmm. is what happens in Japan. It is a remarkable place where Karma Yoga is in action all the time. Oh yes, there are a few glitches here and there at two extremes. The political system at the top is corrupt. And there are some mafias, small amount. The Drishti Parikaram will always be there. <laughs> but the average Japanese is extremely honest, extremely work conscious. And if you ask him to do X, he will do 2X. Mm-hmm. Whatever they take, they are like that. As a nation, I have not seen that kind of thing anywhere else. To some extent, it is there in Germany, but Japan is way ahead of this. That is the operating system. Swami says, society must adopt and you have to just copy a healthy body. Supposing in a body, the cells in a certain organ misbehave, then that organ will be sick. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. If the cells behave uh, misbehave throughout the body, you have a case of metastasis. That is gone case. Person will die. Society does not die. It becomes dysfunctional and a failed society. You have example of that in Somalia. It's a failed society. There is no government. Mm-hmm. There is no what you call postal system. There is no education system. There is no national currency. There is no passport office. There are survival. People have their own communities and all that. They have, for namesake, a country called Somalia. But there is really no strong country called Somalia in the sense of having a federal bank, postal system, educational system, nothing. Just collapse for, it's like going on like that for 20 years. They're trying to revive it. Many other countries are on the threshold of becoming failed. And that is because many things have gone wrong. Even a rich country can come apart mm-hmm. if it is overtaken by extreme selfishness. If everybody becomes selfish, it will take five minutes for it to break and collapse. Mm. So we can't take these things for granted. And today, with the power of technology, it is very easy to cause disruption on a very large scale. Correct. So we, we really have to pay very careful attention to Swami's words and advice and not treat it as unworkable, irrelevant for this society. That's one way of dismissing Swami's teachings. The more we become tech, uh, addicted to technology, more we need this. It's a desperate remedy and the best remedy. It's very interesting sir, what you say about Ramaraja because generally we think Ramaraja means you have a ruler like Rama. But Ramaraja cannot be possible without the subjects who are equally dharmic. And that point is yeah, often no, uh, overlooked. That is why it used to be said Yata Raja Tata Praja. But now it has to be the other way. Yata Praja Tata Praja. Because the government uh, is by the people and for because, the people. Uh, so called. We have to change the government. <laughs> that is why Swami was always talking about grassroots movements. He was not talking about I make a good movements. man and it will flow down. It is no longer a top-down approach. It is a bottom-up approach. It has to be that way. And uh, people always ask, when will the golden age come? When you become golden, it will be the golden <laughs> age. They don't like that answer, but that's the truth. Very interestingly, that's exactly the next point Swami brings about in this discourse. I didn't read the discourse. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why, where he says, science and technology coupled with industrialization is bringing about undesirable changes in our society by way of uprooting the moral or ethical values so essential for human well-being. Science and technology actually was developed, invented and is being pursued for the betterment of human society. It's kind of uh, contradictory how it is becoming the cause for uh, degradation of society. Actually, it is not correct to say science uh, was developed for the betterment of society. Mm -hmm. Science is the result of knowledge accumulated uh, out of the pursuit of curiosity. Okay. Basically, people are curious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why doesn't the moon fall down? Okay, mm-hmm. this is okay. Uh, I can't go to sleep unless I know the answer. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing wrong in thinking about those things. And a lot of people thought about a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And they developed the fabric of science. At this stage, it is knowledge. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. Correct. It is what you do with knowledge that is good or bad. Who uses knowledge? People like you and me. 
when does it become good knowledge when a good man uses it mm-hmm. when does it ba- become bad ma- knowledge when a man with sorcerer supervision uses it and he will use it you know at first for profit then in order to ma- maintain that profit he may use uh, what you call cruel methods then he becomes a wicked man and finally he becomes a rakshasa so all that is misuse of knowledge mm. and that is the point that ravana epitomized he as swami used to say knew 64 shastras hmm. but uh, he he could chant the vedas also but he was afflicted with greed and karma that was his problem and that brought him down so the problem is not with science the problem is the fellows who use use it precisely what swami is saying here because swami says people do not become wise by mere education because an evil person if educated will become an evil educated person <laughs> <laughs> that is why one fellow in america said about his university we produce clever devils mm. <laughs> in a way he says the solution to this problem is samskriti or refinement he says samskriti he brings about samskriti and he says it's a process of refinement Uh, he gives many examples in the discourse he says how paddy is refined to rice and a wrist watch made out of a lump of stainless steel how because of refinement it becomes something usable and how cotton becomes cloth um in terms of uh, human life and human approach what is the samskriti that we have to go through sir what is the refinement that we have to go through that is simple see first of all you have to ask what is it that gets impure Mm-hmm. before you say how i purify it okay the thing that really gets impure in us which is the starting point of all the problem is the mind mm-hmm. so you have to refine the mind and that process of purification is sadhana basically mm-hmm. sadhana is getting rid of the impurities in the mind and swami used to refer to this impurities as malinyam mm-hmm. contamination correct so Uh, uh if you take for example iron ore mm-hmm. most of the iron ore is in the form of ferrites complex ferrites all kinds of ferrites but i want iron so i have to first mine it remove the mud mm-hmm. uh, get all the various complexes of iron they are all mostly salts grind it and all that and then heat it <coughs> and melt it and then iron will come out but even that is not good iron that is cast iron it will be very spongy and all that mm-hmm. then you have to process it further to make steel and then you make special steel you make magnetic steel you make a non magnetic steel then you make a highly non porous steel of a very special kind that is needed for ultra high vacuum and so on you make special steel called maragin steel which is used for high strength applications Uh, they are used in rockets to bind the you see the pslv there are a lot of small rockets that are attached to the big rocket correct the mm-hmm. the big ring that is mm-hmm. used is made of what is called maragin steel that's mm-hmm. a very special kind of steel so uh, then uh, there is a special kind of steel meant for me uh, swords uh, therefore you get all kinds of steels uh, and all that comes by taking the good old cast iron and processing it uh, uh, enormously so analogously the mind must be cleansed mm-hmm. and processed and refined 
when you refine you get samskriti but the process of refinement is sadhana there are many ways of doing that sadhana but at the end of the day it is refinement and swami used to say i am like a goldsmith who puts the gold then beats it then for deforms it and then files it and polishes it ultimately you get a jewel so malinium comes is uh, infection of the mind and removal is sadhana and result is samskriti samskriti very beautiful i think with that topic swami comes to the end of the first discourse in which of course he concludes saying that the vice chancellor has prayed that i should explain the significance of the body senses mind intellect and atma and uh, in response to his prayer swami gives the uh, next set of 15 discourses 1990 that must have been uh, dr saraf dr saraf he says uh, of what avail is it Uh, for one to know all about the external world without knowing about one's own reality it's important for you to understand the nature of brahman the atma this is the royal path for the fulfillment of human life having said that in the second discourse swami starts uh, with what is absolutely um, the grossest form of existence in the sense you know the human body so he takes the first uh, topic of the human body and he starts by saying you are not this body you are not this bundle of flesh blood and bones neither are you the unmanifested desires or the manifested mind you are also not the delusion that towards your liberation but you are the eternal paramatma if only you recognize your innate power so having said that that is the first poem in which swami introduces the discourse then uh, swami gives various definitions of the human body right and through those names swami explains why that this human body is impermanent and why you should not identify with it and swami says deha it's called deha and swami says dahyate ti deha because that which burns burns in sharira means one that decays shiryate ti sharira one which decays then mandir he says uh, that which uh, enshrines the atma or god within and kshetra which is uh, the field 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 and also a uh, Uh, pilgrim center pilgrimage center the holy place holy sacred place. place sacred mm-hmm. place and uh, these are the various definitions for the human body but before actually going into that uh, as we were referring to truth um, swami says why we need to understand <laughs> this these concepts because only when you understand the importance of these instruments given to you will you be able to use them in the correct way and he gives a very beautiful example he says if you do not know how to wear the shirt or banyan and a coat first you wear the banyan then you wear the shirt and then you wear the coat if you do not know the importance and the functionality of each of them you may wear them in the reverse order you may wear the coat first and then the banyan on top of that <laughs> he says in order to know how to utilize these instruments given to you you should know about them so that's how he starts the discourse how that's absolutely vital in a surgical theater mm-hmm. there are lots large number of knives and scissors that are placed at the disposal of the surgeon correct and they are kept in an order mm-hmm. uh, because he knows the procedure he will need what mm-hmm. and then he will just look, be looking at the uh, open portion of the body and uh, put out his left hand if he is a right hander and just mention the name the head chief nurse will hand it to him because one by one mm-hmm. you will use it put it here on the mm-hmm. right table and in the end actually they have to count 
okay also okay. the bandages make sure nothing is left inside because when they open they often it happens right, it happens the fellow comes out in the hospital something is there they go do an x-ray one scissors is left behind mm. <laughs> so they are supposed to count it also mm. so the purpose for which it is intended must be known it's very very important in uh, engineering and in medicine because you must use the right tool for the right job then in a natural flow from the various definitions of the human body swami goes on to say two aspects of how to sanctify the body how to utilize it correctly and one is ahara and another is vihara he is giving a lot of importance to the kind of food with uh, you partake obviously it strengthens your body and vihara that is habits and behavior uh, talking of ahara he says satvik ahara is what we should take right. in and of course before that swami makes a very important point he says food is not just what you intake through your mouth yes before no, that is because food is also for the senses right. all that which goes through but regarding the, the food mm-hmm. satvik mm-hmm. it's very interesting just yesterday i was listening to a radio program mm-hmm. american radio program where uh, they were discussing and its relationship to the kind of bacteria mm-hmm. that uh, it uh, supports in the gut and the impact these bacteria have on the brain oh and this is the interesting thing <laughs> so uh, there there is a doctor who is the studying people volunteers mm-hmm. he gives them yogurt and then does functional mri <laughs> now in india we consider yogurt as a good thing because it has bacteria that is uh, promotes digestion mm-hmm. and uh, apparently uh, you can uh, give a person a food which will be support a kind of bacteria which can create a certain kind of hard wiring of the brain and that may be either positive or negative mm-hmm. so what uh, <laughs> ayurveda talks in terms of satvik food mm-hmm. modern medicine is now trying to find through volunteers functional mri and so on and so forth True. but they knew it intuitively this mm. kind of food is rajasic food this kind of food is tamasic food this mm-hmm. kind of food is satvic food correct and uh, uh, but we are trying to find it a very hard way paying a lot spending a lot of money. money that's true i think they might have been in a very clear state of mind where they might have eaten this food and immediately they could have recognized the kind of thoughts which would have arisen <laughs> which is quite difficult for us yeah that's all that true. is running in our mind uh, see uh, it is also the result of what you call practices of the maharishis mm-hmm. maharishis were very focused mm-hmm. they wanted to do tapas and attain moksha or whatever it is mm-hmm. and they had must have experimented what kind of food was best for them in order right. to promote concentration in order to remain without food for a long time mm-hmm. in order to create the right mental attitudes because all those were important and uh, that knowledge must have been passed down the ages and uh, if you actually read the gita there are many chapters where krishna uh, devotes entirely to gunas correct and uh, he also talks about the kind of food mm-hmm. and the kind of gunas that result thereof mm-hmm. so this is ancient knowledge i'm sure it has come through experience and also uh, trial and error correct in this context swami says that of course as we mentioned that food is not only what we take through the mouth it's also through the various senses that is because they attach a lot of importance to senses mm-hmm. 
you see we take the senses for granted and mainly as uh, you know we have this thing in computer called io devices mm-hmm. input output devices mm-hmm. most of the senses are input devices so we take them for granted but in the case of this people on the spiritual path they paid a lot of attention to input devices because what the senses input ultimately goes to the mind and remains there as information and impressions so they wanted to make sure that the wrong kind of things don't go through the senses correct so what goes to the senses was considered as food for the mind Mm. and therefore it's not only the food for the body that must be pure and appropriate the food for the mind also must be fo- good and appropriate in modern life in science and in western philosophy that is totally kept out okay it's totally kept out is considered irrelevant but no the sense and mind control was given a lot of importance that's why uh, whenever swami used to talk about sense and mind control in my short end notes i would write msc <laughs> it's very easy to remember that msc i had uh, abbreviations tks trikarna suddhi so as he speaks you know you can't go on writing everything msc tks i had a lot of short code words like that the, the trikarna suddhi is again another very important concept the harmony of thought word and uh, action here when he says um, for example when he says sanctify the vision that is given to you the sense of sight see what is good don't see what is evil hear what is good don't hear what is evil now when swami says this statement often times we are left wondering what is good and what is evil when you say see what is good don't see what is evil how do we define what is good and what is evil that's a good question see when you are a yogi there is neither good nor evil I am neutral. Mm-hmm. But when I am not neutral, it is like having pH plus or minus, <laughs> okay. positive or negative. And it, uh, this applies only to those kind of people. If I take food, I call rubbish. If I give it to a pig, it eats it, nothing happens to it. it mm. It's conditioned differently. Mm. But if I eat old food, mm-hmm. there are bacteria in it which will harm me. Mm-hmm. let's say there is fungus in it my system cannot tolerate it so i will get into problems mm-hmm. similarly see no evil means if i see certain things then what happens to what i see it just goes to my mind and my mind goes off on tracks which are not good for me okay it will take me away from god basically mm-hmm. good and bad is i have to follow a route mm-hmm. and my route is towards god if i deviate from that route i am not going towards god if you want to go to hell that's all right Correct. but god doesn't want you to go to hell so mm-hmm. he says you have a gps system which tells you i made a wrong turn mm. go to the right turn basically good and god are rela- uh, defined in relation to my journey t- to god if it takes me away from god, god. it is bad if it takes me towards god it is good it's as simple as that <laughs> that is the uh, simplest way of if i abolish god then there is nothing good there is nothing bad then what is good is what is good for my senses you are just saying that it's not relevant for yogis but how is that sir for what what state is a yogi in 
Yogi is in the state of Samatvam. Okay. In the, he is in the world of God, which All is everything is same. There is only oneness. There is no good, there is no bad, there is only God. Mm. If I have reached that state, that's very difficult. Correct. Then there is no good or bad. But supposing I have not reached that stage, still I can look at it in the following way. The action of that person is not good. But the person is not bad. Okay. Hmm. Gandhi used to say, I have no quarrel with the Britisher. I have only quarreled with the Britisher imposing his system on me. <laughs> so, I don't see you as an evil person. I see the Atma in you. But the outside is not functioning properly. That is different from you. Hmm. I don't associate the actions with the inside normally. I associate the outside and I say he's a bad fellow. <laughs> the, the yogi will say he's not an evil man. Mm. He's a good man, mm-hmm. but his actions are bad. So he, uh, he, he doesn't pass any judgment on the person. That is why Ramana, when he dies, mm-hmm. Rama goes to Vibhishna and says, He had to be punished. That is different. Mm. Mm. You can't now associate all that with the dead body. You have a duty as an elder brother. Either you cremate him or I cremate him. Mm. You have to give that respect. Mm. And similarly, when Vali dies, Rama summons Lakshman and says he was a king. Mm. Make sure the last rites are performed like a king. Mm. He gives that instruction. It's there in Valmiki. Mm-hmm. So they bring a palanquin and they take him and all that. They all go to Tungabhadra and do snanam there, including Lord Rama. Mm-hmm. In fact, logically speaking, that's the next point in the discourse where he says Vihara, that is uh, behavior. <laughs> and Swami says uh, Ahara is important, equally important is Vihara, Absolutely. behavior. And um, he says that, uh, um, he goes on to uh, explain how company Tell me your company, I, I shall tell you what you are. That influences your vihara and behavior to a large extent. These two points, ahara and vihara, he says, if it's uh, kept in mind, then you can utilize the body in a proper way. And three points which Ami says about vihara is, mind the places where you are in, the company which you keep, and the habits which you develop. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, vihara is all about. Then, uh, so this question would often come, you know, when you say that you keep good company, you keep with people who are good, and people will say, how do you transform them? If the good is always with the good, how does the evil get transformed? You first have to be tough to make <laughs> sure that infection doesn't affect you. For example, at the time of the tsunami in 2004, mm-hmm. Sevadals had to go and remove all the corpses. The others were not allowed to touch. Many of them didn't want to because the bodies were decaying. So, in fact, I've got a photograph where a lady doctor is giving anti-tetanus injection to the sevadals. So, before you handle that, you have to make sure you take the protection. So, before you start uh, dealing with the evil guys, you must make sure when you go and meet them, you don't become evil yourself. If you are not conditioned, then you are not fit for the job. So, you have to protect yourself first properly. Mm. That's what it means. Till you are not ready, you should not go and 
deal with the real tough case that doesn't mean you can't deal with elementary cases for example medical students uh, they often uh, are in the operation theater when the surgeon does the surgery they will do small jobs uh, depending on the situation for example the, in the end the surgeon will say this is how i stitch you will show two th- three stitches and say do a little bit then uh, you, before that you will say this is how i bandage do it then this is how i remove the bandage do it this is how i uh, uh, clean the wound do it so step by step uh, you have to come graduate into tougher and tougher jobs but on day one you don't go and deal with the most evil person on earth <laughs> being good for a day doesn't <laughs> no way then um, swami says there are three misconceptions that we are faced with when identification with the body he says wrong identification with the body and mind he says we regard objects and people as belonging to us we say this is mine this is his and believing the uh, temporary to be eternal he says these are the three uh, misconceptions. mistakes misconceptions and more or less that's how he ends the uh, the second discourse where he deals with body the third discourse is also uh, an extension of the same theme the title is moving temple now i think um, here he brings out uh, various points he says yes the body is temporary but it has to be taken care of because it houses the atman because the atman is inside and he says just as the diamond even if it is put in garbage it does not lose its innate value not as the pumpkin that is growing on a thorny fence uh, it does not lose its taste so also um, the atman is not defiled by the body the atman remains eternal and unchanged and uh, here is an important point uh, he says when importance is given only to the body then it's uh, such a civilization even collapses he gives the example of roman civilization and um, he says how undue importance was given only to the uh, body and he says because of which the civilization came down sir just looking at history and looking at various civilizations do you think there is a pattern of evolution on how people are looking at various um, like the romans looked at the body and the indian civilization which has stood the test of time because it's looking deeper into the subtler aspects do you have any comments on that see you have to be careful how you use the word civilization normally mm-hmm. the term civilization is used associated with the period of history okay where one empire or group of em- emperors mm-hmm. built up an edifice of knowledge a structure of society with a lot of achievements correct uh, so egyptian civilization it symbolized by the pyramids and things like that so roman civilization it had certain characteristic greek civilization for a while it celebrated knowledge there was also art- architecture mm-hmm. and uh, drama poets and so on and so forth whereas when we talk of indian there were many civilizations the mauryan uh, empire okay. and uh, mm-hmm. so on and so forth but there is a thing called indian tradition mm-hmm. that has remained unchanged for the longest period in history there is okay. no other tradition that one can speak of that has had such a long innings on a such a large scale at least mm-hmm. not to my knowledge i don't think there is anything else mm-hmm. even today 
we have things like opanayanam and so on which is uh, based on the traditions of thousands of years and the underlying principle is also the same hmm opanayanam brahmopadesam gayatri mantram it has been there from um, vishwamitra's days to the present day that kind of continuity and constancy i don't think exists in others what you call cultures but if you talk of civilization uh, you have the indus valley civilization the arapa civilization so on the, they are different but if you t- talk in terms of culture sanskriti bharatiya sanskriti as some used to say that is uh, uh, very unique i mean essence of bharatiya sanskriti is true knowledge is valued correct vidya and that must go along with vinayam hmm that must manifest as dharma and so on those values survive longest in our culture in fact that's what swami says he says self knowledge or knowledge of the atman which was given a lot of importance in our indian tradition he says when you have that self knowledge you become a drashta a seer you actually start seeing <laughs> become a drashta and a very beautiful and powerful statement he says the ultimate aim of bhakti is to become such a drashta and to experience the world with its spiritual perspective as background then he defines manava he says you are not new you are ancient manava manava he says and then he says our life can be compared to a limited company now this is a very interesting topic i don't know whether uh, we have the time do we have time yeah i think we yeah. have about 10 minutes oh that's good because swami says limited company this body can be taken as a limited company in which everything has to be within limits uh, take the blood pressure take the heartbeat everything has to be within limits and um, he says unless uh, the moment you have uh, uh, the limit is crossed there is danger that is a very important point uh, in fact uh, i gave a talk in delhi some weeks ago on growth stability and order in human society and i was drawing examples from nature and uh, today what is happening is we are talking a lot about growth Correct. growth has slowed down mm-hmm. what is this growth growth is mainly gdp growth gross domestic product mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, some uh, other parameters related to that mm-hmm. uh, money flow and all that correct you can't have too much of it you can't have endless consumption mm-hmm. more of uh, consumerism and all that if you have too much of that that society will collapse so uh, therefore uh, there is a limit even limit the, in the society there is a natural limit correct correct and people are not appreciating that it's a law of nature there's always a contest between growth and stability and in nature if you see to achieve stability at some point it stops growing it stops growing correct that is always the case mm-hmm. there's a very interesting study which eddington uh, did on stars he just said what is a star star is a glass uh, gas globule so he said let me consider a star Uh, the g- gas globules of various sizes 10 to the power of 1 gram 10 to the power of 2 grams 10 to the power of 40 grams 10 to the power of 70 grams mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. i mean then it goes into huge size mm-hmm. so <clears throat> when you take big gas globules they will start shrinking because of gravity so that will start heating so the heat will then try to expand so then he found that of all these gas globules only gas globules in a certain range are stable otherwise they are torn apart either because of radiation pressure or gas pressure contest between radiation pressure and gas pressure okay it's like a marriage mm-hmm. in the marriage where both are sort of equally strong mm-hmm. that holds otherwise one dominates and that thing comes apart so there is a stable size of that's why it is found that no star in the universe is more than 100 times the mass of the sun mm-hmm. or less than 3/4 of the mass of the sun mass of the sun is our sun is taken as a unit oh, it's okay. in a range similarly you don't have any human being with who is 10000 pounds correct can't be mm. person will die mm. i mean you have people king kong and other 600 but those are exceptional cases there's a normal weight for the body mm. and if it is too small then also it it will it will die it will collapse it because there is not enough energy to sustain the system and all that mm-hmm. so in nature things grow only up to a point you take a tree beyond that point it will not grow because it cannot supply nutrition there be all sorts of problems mm. even in the body or in the society if the limits are crossed there is danger and in fact that's how he leads to the next point which says ceiling on desires he says don't waste energy don't waste time don't waste money don't waste uh, uh, energy so these are the things that swami has and been today, telling today the seeds for destruction are being sown mm-hmm. by saying desire should have no ceiling essentially asking you to consume go to shopping mall buy 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 so christmas is supposed to be january 25th <laughs> christmas shopping season now starts in september why because they want to sell <clears throat> they are all the time selling and they are asking you to buy do you have that much of money no you don't then how do you buy oh yes there's a thing called credit card you go on buying on the credit card mm. and if million people buy on credit card and they are not able to pay then the company will collapse which has given the loans <laughs> the shopping uh, malls will then collapse because there will be nobody to buy so we just cannot go on doing this sort of thing but ulti- foolishly we are trying to do that and now they are, they are having facing their problems in many countries in china they have built a lot of cities they are empty thinking there is going to be a boom entire cities are empty and uh, when the money dries up the shopping malls become empty mm. so they put on the lights everybody sitting there there is nobody to do any buying in fact uh, last year when i went to new zealand on days when it was raining they would take me for a walk in the shopping malls because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't rain park the car for two hours so it go because i was very safe i didn't have a credit card and a wallet so I, but then i saw in many shops mm. the shopkeepers are playing uh, video games with their cell phones because there are no buyers that's true people mm. are just going here and there here and there in coffee shops they people drink there's no money to buy shops are full of things nobody buys you have a slump mm. so they, you can't go on sustaining that forever you eat how much can you eat at some point is enough 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 actually <laughs> that's a beautiful point that chami says ceiling on desire should be based on discriminative knowledge absolutely mm. not just 
as a theory which you accept but that comes out of discriminative knowledge <coughs> where no, you see, put the fundamental point is desire is associated with a path that takes you away from god mm. so i put a ceiling on desires not because i don't have money to buy or anything like that i want to ask myself the question what am i here for life must be a journey to god what is the greatest obstacle desire hmm so the more i get rid of desire the easier it becomes me for, for me to steer toward god so steering wheel must be turned in the opposite direction so that it my car goes in the right direction that is the main reason that should be the basic reason of course preserving the economy and the ecology ecosystem planet and all that is necessary but those are secondary conditions automatically if i start saying i my job is to go towards god i don't want to be distracted half the problems on earth will disappear just like that no money is needed only will power is needed correct in fact swami says the one who seeks the atma is a gopi the other one is a papi <laughs> 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 <That's> very good <laughs> in fact another beautiful point which swami makes is there is no difference between the sun and its rays there is no mm. difference between the sea and its waves mm. likewise there is no difference between god and love in the sense swami is saying that whether you do ceiling on desires or discriminative knowledge for the society or for god it's the same it's not that that is because society is god because society is god but we don't realize that we think society has to be exploited and mrs thatcher famously said there is no such thing as society because basically she was focusing too much on the individuals individuals are a part of society you can't just have atoms you must have a solid because only then you can make out things out of the solid what can you do with a single atom precious little so bringing these points swami then says how food head and god are interrelated i think we have covered that point when we spoke about satvic food and how they influence even the mind and the thoughts um, swami concludes this discourse uh, by asking the question what is meditation you say you are sanctifying your time with meditation but if you are sitting in meditation and your mind is in the bazaar <laughs> in the mall possibly that is not meditation so he says uh, so instead of doing that kind of meditation it's better you go to the society and serve he says uh, spend your in fact we when we were discussing this we were wondering how to sanctify time and here is an answer he says if you are really not able to concentrate and do meditation sanctify your time with service go to the society and do service and um, then he says first of all try to understand the nature of the mind then only you will be able to control it actually long ago one man came and tried to force me to do meditation this and that <laughs> you know if you want to do meditation you start at the age of 4 5 and he was trying to do it to me at the age of 60 then i was practical and he said uh, yeah, yeah yeah i shook him off hmm. he said you engage in god's work and do it properly in the spirit mm-hmm. of a karma yogi that is meditation and vivekananda put it uh, puts it very nicely he says meditation is constant remembrance of god and some of the best meditation used to be done by the women of olden times and i have seen them with my own eyes they would get up uh, have bath they won't have much time to do puja and all that that is done by the men folk and while they are cooking <coughs> they will be chanting lalita sahasranam and things like that and do the cooking 
so that is real meditation constant remembrance of god mm. and there is nothing better than that so in fact it is quite easy if you just sit there and try to say chant lalita sasana mind will go here and there <laughs> but when you are cooking you know automatically you have to make sure this is done that is done you have to bring water you have to grind up something into a paste and all that so your focus so that uh, drill goes on in the background and simultaneously shruti lalita sasana goes that is one of the best things i have seen my mother do all those things and that was an excellent tradition that is meditation correct that's what krishna tells arjuna he says do anusmarana even as you fight in the battle hmm. that's the command he gives i guess that is very relevant to gents of today when they go to stock market or when they go to their offices they are literally fighting a battle and they have Listen, to think the <laughs> decent fellow won't go to the stock market <laughs> If you exercise your discriminative knowledge, you might not end up there. Why should I go to stock market and then uh, say, Ram, 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 what is happening? My BP will go up, stock is going down, value is going down, BP will go up. <laughs> I think that concludes the segment on the body. Uh, so, we have covered three discourses today. And that concludes the segment where Swami is bringing out details about uh, and how to control and sanctify the body. The next segment is on the senses. So the wonderful way with which Swami concludes the discourse, he says, everything that God has created has a purpose. Nothing is meaningless. So you endeavor to understand what is the meaning behind each See, aspect of uh, this. See, what is uh, astonishing is there is so much of uh, what you call knowledge and wisdom packed in Swami's discourses. The density of wisdom is enormous. Correct. People give talks. Most of it is empty, hollow mm-hmm. nonsense. and uh, people uh, have study circles they discuss discourses mostly it is uh, tending to understand one sentence line by line that is of no use unless you take it in relation to life society and uh, what is happening to us today it is of no use but the moment you do that suddenly these discourses become enormously profound now as i was listening to you go through the various points swami is making i found it was immensely expansive because mm-hmm. my mind was racing oh it means this it means that that so i stand in awe absolute awe that he was with us and he said all these things and most of the time people were sleeping towards the end you know there came a time when i seen people playing with their iphones when swami was giving discourses and as he used to say that is their prapti mm. <laughs> there he was talking about uh, very subtle and profound things and people were playing with their iphones to make it there so they were i won't call them puppies but i will definitely say they were not gopis <laughs> it's not for me to say they are puppies is they 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 said they missed it and they, if you, you see when you sit back and listen and reflect how much of uh, what you call profundity Definitely. and depth is there very true in fact it is as we mentioned repeatedly the summary and the most important portions of all the upanishads and scriptures it is a you know he essence. gives it in a nutshell essence of all that and yet he makes it so expansive as to be applicable to everything 
That's why I often say, he took the 700 slokas of the Gita and packaged it into 700 discourses. Correct. Very true. <laughs> Applicable to different people. In fact, uh, in 12th chapter, as he says, Yo me bhakta samay priyaha. He says, he is dear to me, he is dear to me. In a way, Swami, uh, without our knowledge, made us do that. He made us do activities, made us do things to please Him in the physical realm. But uh, on deeper reflection, it is actually to please the God within. Otherwise, where would you have uh, people sitting for an hour and two hours just waiting for Him in darshan or uh, reading spiritual literature? It's <laughs> something very in rare. In fact, He has said, if you go to a temple, you have to stand in a queue to go to the deity. Mm. Here, I come to you. Okay. I bend down and take your letter. Mm. I bend down and listen to what you say. <laughs> You don't have to get up and talk to me. I bend down. Where does it happen? It doesn't happen anywhere. The ascent of God for the ascent of man. That's The problem true. is man is not even trying to ascend. <laughs> so, thank you, sir. Thank you on behalf of all the listeners for joining us on the summary. Because it's, it's definitely a wonderful exercise to go back and revisit these discourses. Though we have gone through them over several weeks, it definitely even warrants another relook as our personal sadhana. I hope all listeners also do that. And so, on behalf of all of us here, Sai Prakash and Venkat Ramansa, I offer this humble effort of ours at Bhagwan's Lotus Feet. We conclude with a prayer that next week too, we will be able to continue the summary and we also uh, place a request in front of Sir that he be a part of the program next week too. Thank you, Sir. And thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. Sai down. Sairam, you just heard an episode of our radio series Shravanam Mananam Nididhyasanam that is, listen, reflect and absorb. This is a segment that is hosted live on Thursdays at 7.30pm by Team Radio Sai's Sai Prakash and Prem only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. In today's episode, which was first broadcast live on 21st November 2013, Professor Jeevan former Vice-Chancellor of the Sri Satya Sai Institute of Higher Learning and the senior-most member of Team Radio Sai, participated as a guest. The divine discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian culture and spirituality in the year 1990. And to listen to the next part of this program, please tune in same time next week and do write to us and do let us know what you think about this program by writing to listener at radiosci.org. Thank you and Sairam from Prashanti Nilayam.